A few months ago, at work, I was told to look into gender diversity and representation in the workplace. And it was actually super depressing work. The more research I did, the more frustrated I became. The most important conclusion I kept reading and rereading was that women have trouble seeing themselves in management, director, and other elevated roles because for the most part, higher levels of management are crowded by men. So then I started thinking, how am I going to climb the career ladder if I don't see anyone that looks like me? How can I break the glass ceiling if I don't know anyone who has done it before me? I decided to take my frustration and turn it into something. I want myself and young women everywhere to be able to envision ourselves higher up and also recognize the women who are already there. I'm Alex Klufus, welcome to Modern Working Women. Each week, I interview a woman about their career and experiences and ask them to share advice they wish they knew when starting out. My goal is to increase the visibility of women in the workplace and give younger women, like myself, someone to look up to and learn from. Today I'm welcoming my first guest, Aida Kavalich. She's currently working at Georgetown University as a senior financial analyst. Aida, welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about your current role at Georgetown, what your day-to-day looks like? Yes, so I am currently a senior financial analyst at uh, the Lombardi Comprehensive Cancer Center, uh, which is a part of the Georgetown Medical Center. Um, And my role encompasses um, basically a lot of grant management for the researchers at the medical center, as well as the the full scope of financial analysis, including budgeting, uh, checking budget to actuals, forecasts, um, a good amount of administrative day-to-day stuff in terms of running um, two programs that I'm responsible for overseeing um, to staff people. Um, so it, it combines both the mainly federal grant management with the more standard financial analysis. Jumping off of that, obviously you're well into your career, but going back to when you graduated from Wellesley back in 2000, what did you think you wanted to do with your career when you graduated? I I had no blessed idea. I knew that I needed and wanted a job and I graduated from, um, my major was in economics and that's basically the the type of work I looked for, though I didn't really have any prior work experience um, or interning experience I gained at Wellesley. So I applied for a few jobs and um, those who graduated at the same time will, will recall that the economy was doing very well back in 2000. So we had a lot of, most of us had a lot of opportunities in terms of open positions and I just sort of fell into a role actually at um, an insurance company where my sister worked. Um, it was a role as a, an investment accountant uh, at an insurance company. And um, I picked it honestly because my sister worked at the company. So you, you said you started in insurance and obviously it's kind of been a non-traditional path that you've mentioned. So from college to your current job, 
kind of how did you get here? What were some of the the big turning moments for you when figuring out what you wanted to do with your career? Certainly. I think what might help sort of explain uh, where I've been and how I've gotten to where I am is to um, know that uh, my family and I moved to this country when I was 17 from Bosnia on uh, a refugee visa. And I was I was not the first one in my family to attend college, but I was obviously the first one to do it in the U.S. And starting out, I had no um, no real background in understanding what even how to get into college. Uh, and when once I started at Wellesley, I had to work um, throughout the full four years in a job that provided me with health insurance. So I had to work a minimum of 20 hours, which I was lucky to be able to find jobs off campus that allowed that. So I wasn't exposed to many of the sort of more traditional ways of gaining experience that folks do at Wellesley in terms of um, interning during summer. Um, and then doing even doing on-campus interviews with you know investment banking and other firms that came. I just really wasn't aware of those options, or if I was aware of them, I couldn't particularly take advantage of them because I had to maintain um, my employment status, really. So uh, when I say I, I just kind of fell into my first job, I do mean it. I, I knew that I needed to find a job immediately uh, because the, the loan payments would start kicking in shortly after that. And um, given my background, the, the priority for me was really to be able to gain that sense of financial stability and to be able to help provide um, for my family as well, uh, my sister and my parents. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's, it's interesting to um, be approached by you. And I think I mentioned this when you first pitched this idea, because my first thought was like, well, I don't have a quote unquote Wellesley tra- trajectory when it comes to a career. I don't know what I can offer in terms of advice or the how to do, because I feel that in the large first chunk of uh, my my sort of career after Wellesley, I just stumbled from one position to another because I didn't uh, particularly know sort of what what the standard to do's are. So my goal was basically to have a job and have a paycheck that will allow me to pay my bills. Um, and then after uh, my first job, uh, the economy turned fairly soon after uh, in the early 2000s, and my entire department, the investment accounting department at that company, um, was just eliminated. Uh, and that was also the first sort of the first sobering experience of um, the being a, a quote unquote grown up in the real world. And I was able to get another accounting role in a different department in the same company uh, without any thankfully without any break in my employment. And I was there for another two years or so, so altogether about three years right after graduation. And um, it was a very mindless job. It was one of those uh, accounts payable uh, positions where you just process bills every day. And after a few years of that, even that became a bit 
you know, despite the steady paycheck became too tedious. And I um, found a position as uh, a more senior in a more senior accounting role in a smaller uh, software company. Um, and this was all in Boston, if, if um, it makes any difference. Um, so that was basically a start uh, of my career, such as it is. And then um, my next step was to um, get a, a graduate degree, which seems like a very, you know, the, the, a, a smart and standard thing you do, except my decision was prompted by the fact that George Bush uh, got reelected. And I decided I needed to leave the states uh, in protest. And so I was looking for a way to do that that would be constructive uh, and started looking for options for grad degrees outside of the U.S. and found a program in English in Belgium. Um, and again, if you, you know, for anybody who's had exposure to obviously uh, other countries, they know that the cost of graduate degree is not as ridiculous in most other places as, as it is here. Uh, so I basically just had to cover the cost of my own, um, my of living there um, without any cost of the actual degree. And I was able to do that for a year. I got a degree in European integration and development with a focus on economics. And I had great, um, great, um, you know, idea that I would then transfer that into uh, working in Bosnia on their um, efforts to join the European Union. Um, and again, I, I think if if anything I'm trying to get across here is the level of um, naivete and inexperience I've I've kind of had even at that point because. Um, for any such job in Bosnia or any developing countries, you can't, you know, you can't rely on any kind of experience or education. You need to have uh, all kinds of political and personal connections, which I did not have. And I found myself, so after the, the degree program I had was only a year long. So after I finished that and had no job and didn't particularly want to go back to the U.S., I found myself really you know, what next? Um, and if in doubt, then continue what you were doing. So I found another grad degree I could attend in Europe, this one at Central European University in a very employable, um, with a very employable major in nationalism studies. Uh, and the difference being here that your Central European University actually provided a stipend. Um, so uh, the cost of living would have been offset along with the, the fact that it was free education. Um, so I, I was able to get two graduate degrees, none of which I actually have used in my professional life since, <laughs> but at least they didn't cost me a whole lot of money. So that's also part of the really non-traditional path I followed, um, and from there on, then I stumbled, and I literally mean I stumbled into a position in a, of all places, a private equity firm that was based in Brussels um, after sending out um, conservatively about 100 applications over a course of three months. Um, and that was in 2007. 
and the portfolio I managed was um, all automotive part companies that were in uh, various countries. And as you can imagine, in 2009, that um, job ended when all of those companies went bankrupt during the financial crisis. And I again found myself at a um, bit of a what next stage and uh, realized at that point that it was time to, to head back to the States. Um, uh, and I had at that I had already, and part of that was not only the sort of shrewd uh, career decision of any kind, but I started a relationship um, with my now wife um, and she lived in DC. So it was very much a factor in sort of the next step in my career. Um, and then after coming back to the US, I switched to the nonprofit sector. So I've worked at um, Open Society Foundations and Brookings before. Uh, coming to Georgetown, where I currently am, which is all probably a bit too much detail, but just um, sort of a how I got to where I am now. Yeah, definitely. It's incredibly important to highlight that, um, you know, there's so many different ways to kind of get to like progress your career. You mentioned a few times you had like a few like, oh my gosh, what next moments? How did you figure out what to do next? Like, where did you do your research to figure out what your next step could be. I, um, I relied on, and we all have our, our groups of, of potentially different groups where we draw, um, inspiration and seek advice. So I definitely spoke to my family at length, um, to my mom in terms of, does this make any sense? And then I relied heavily on my best friend, uh, whom I met at Wellesley, uh, who has a much more solid grasp and is much more logical in terms of approach to her career. So, um, and then it was just a lot of grasping at things, honestly, just trying, trying, casting a lot of nets uh, in terms of different positions I've applied to and seeing what comes out. So I think what I've found in my experiences that a lot of it really, you do have to try hard, but a lot of it comes down to dumb luck at times. I totally understand what you mean. It's like, it's like you try hard for like 90% of it. And then there's just like 10% of it is just like a little bit of fate thrown in. It is. And then when, when the right opportunity comes along, I think sometimes it's hard to tease out, well, was any of it all the hard work I put in? Or is it that just I happen to be at the right place at the right time? Um, so you obviously mentioned you had you have two degrees from European universities. Um, besides, you know, leaving the United States in kind of a political po uh, protest, what else drew you to going to get more education? Well, I've, uh, you know, I've always really enjoyed going to school and just, and that's part of what I missed after Wellesley. It was just that sense of community. And then I think afterwards, we also realized that, you know, you kind of missed out on all the fun classes you could have taken and, and your sort of goal to get your, your major um, requirements for your major. I 
and these both of these degree actually were interesting to me. Um, the European integration development really um, drew me because I studied economics at Wellesley because not only because and it was a good good reason I chose that is because I felt it was employable, but also because I had a strong interest in it. So the degree I pursued um, in European de- development and integration really combined the the political interest I had in what was happening both in my country of origin and the European Union at the time with economics. And then the degree I pursued at Central European University in nationalism studies directly touched and worked around my personal experience as a refugee. Um, I, you know, as noted, I, I really wanted to, I needed a change professionally um, along with the sort of you know, personal slash political impetus, I fell at just rebelling against the status quo in the country. And I had a plan in my head that, which, which worked, it made perfect sense that getting a degree in national, uh, in, sorry, in European integration and development, the economic side of it, which was the degree I obtained at Brussels would then help me transition into work, um, in Bosnia, in, ter- in helping the country, you know, it, in its uh, process at um, becoming a part of the European Union, it made perfect sense. On paper, completely had no basis in reality. Um, so that that de- and, it, and it really matched my interests, both in terms of the degree I had obtained at Wellesley, um, and again, the the work I thought I would be pursuing afterwards. Um, but again, the, those sort of and I think that might have been really the the first and maybe <laughs> um, the only real time I've tried to have sort of a longer term plan. Um, so I would obtain this degree and then there is this career option that will fit in perfectly with my prior experience and a degree. It will be great transition and it completely didn't work out at all. Um, so, um, and then the, the other, um, degree I pursued again was sort of based in my current circumstance. I didn't feel like had, um, any real job options at that point. And it just was a very, the, the studying nationalism in, in Eastern and slash Central Europe, uh, given my background was just personally very, interesting and rewarding, if not particularly useful for a career in finance that mm-hmm. I have pursued. So most of your career, you've kind of built on the short term, like, oh, I need a job, so I'm going to try to do this. Yes, which is why, again, I, I you know, should I be the one um, giving any kind of advice to, to young women who are just looking to start out I don't know. Uh, it worked out for me personally, um, and I've had very, um, very rewarding experiences um, in my life based on the cho- choices I've made, um, especially with um, in terms of a gaining a graduate degrees at very little cost. Um, I came. I did not have debt from either one of those. Uh, B getting to um, live and work in Europe through that, and last but not least, certainly is I met my wife um, at, at grad school there. So, again, was any of this planned? Was any of that like a, a, a brilliant stepping stone to the next next uh, level of my career? No, 
but I, and I think that's part of what I want to get across is um, I guess sometimes when you feel that your A, B, C, D leads you to E plans don't work. Um, well, you know, might feel terrible right at the, at that point, you might feel as a bit of a failure, but you just don't know. You just don't know what, what's around the next corner, so to speak. So you mentioned that, you know, your career has taken a lot of turns, um, but you also mentioned that you've had a lot of really rewarding experiences. Can you highlight one of those experiences or a few of them that you've been like, wow, like, I'm so fortunate to have like gone through this? Um, I think it's, you know, it was a big risk for me to set off uh, to Belgium to pursue a career because it meant I would have to leave a paying job. I would basically use up whatever little money I had saved over the three or four years since I had graduated. I would go to a country where I didn't speak either any of the three official languages. I didn't know anybody there and I didn't, you know, I had sort of this idea of what I would do after I got my degree, but there was no certainty in it. And that really felt like stepping off a cliff to a large point, especially given that, again, as I mentioned, my um, background and my just the, the driving force sort of behind my decisions about work so far was just to make sure that I stay employed and I can um, pay my bills so it was it was really a it was a tremendous risk at a time. I was very scared, I was very nervous, and setting off um was one of the best and smartest things I have ever done because it really took me so far out of my comfort zone and um and has offered uh, so many new learning experiences um so many new connections, so many you know aside from the uh, being able to put, you know, a master's degree on my CV, that entire three-year span I have spent in Europe has has just really been amazing. So that's, I think, part that I would try to sort of bequeath to my children, uh, in a sense, is just that sense of something really scares you. Um, you might really want to think about just jumping off. Yeah, that that's great advice. You know, uh, just like having the opportunity to take the chance is like really exciting. Going off of that, what do you feel like has been the best advice you've gotten while you were, you know, navigating your career and getting you to your current point? Uh, that I honestly don't know, and I think part of sort of my um, my experience in sort of just not having a whole lot of idea what I'm doing has been the fact that I didn't have a mentor really at any position I've held so far. And I think that would have been especially uh, important early in my career. So just thinking back, you know, what I would have done differently uh, after leaving college, I think if, and, and again, uh, part of what I think I want to get across is that 
uh, I, there are so many things looking back where I could pick out and say, oh, I wish I did this differently. Uh, but I don't know where that would have gotten me. So maybe I would have been further along in my career, but would I be also, um, would my circumstance change now? I, you know, I'm, I'm happily married. I have two small kids. I have a low stress job. I feel very settled and happy at where I am right now. So I think it's easy to nitpick going backwards. But the one thing I would still sort of one piece of advice, and this sounds so basic at this point, but it really was not obvious to me at all heading out of college was the the need. Um, and again, need is a strong word, but how how potentially easier things would have been if I had known to seek out a mentor early on. So I think um, if I would try to um, give a piece of advice to my younger self, what I didn't realize, and it sounds so basic right now, is really how how easier potentially things would have been had I thought to seek out a mentor early on. Um, and that is, I think, one. And again, this seems like just so obvious, most likely at this point, especially with um, women really, I think, trying to, and outside of our, you know, uh, women's college environment and mentality, women trying to support each other in uh, a workplace. But it really was not the case back in the early 2000s, and it wasn't obvious to me. So I do, I do want to sort of underscore something, even though it may seem so simple. advice would be to go out and seek a mentor to help you, you know, navigate the world? Yeah. So that would be, you know, and can be obviously at any point in your career, but certainly starting out. Uh, and I think also on a more squishy note, if you will, I, I just do think it's so important to, for us to be able to give ourselves credit for what we have done and what we have achieved and to, you know, women have so many potentially competing expectations, you know, there are the, and desires, the, the expectations and desires we set ourselves, those that may be set or imposed, however you feel about it by, um, our families, by the society at large. And when they're at loggerheads, it, I feel that, and certainly for me, I have spent so much um, energy fighting against one or two of these competing sets of expectations. And uh, it can really create a lot of stress and uncertainty in your life. Um, and it's just, I think, being able to be kind to yourself, even when you feel, or especially when you feel you've just effed something up and you feel like you've made the wrong choice, you said the wrong thing, you should have taken, you know, you should have gone and done this certificate. I don't know, you know, just reassess. You know, you, you are, you are a, sort of a creature of a unique set of circumstances that brought you here. And a lot of them may have been out of your control. So I think he is just to be able to really recognize the, the work that you have put in, the work you can still do, and just, you know, be kinder to yourself. 
And on that note, um, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It has been my pleasure. And I think another thing, if I can add sort of postscript is, um, and again, may sound basic, but I think this, this podcast is a great example of it. Reach out to your Wellesley community. Reach out to the women you've never heard of. Um, I, I know that I personally am, would be only too thrilled to hear from other Wellesley alums. I will be taking advantage of the, the great support group um, that is offered by our alumni community myself. So don't forget you're, you're part of the, you know, a great group of women. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Modern Working Women. First, thank you once again to Aida Kevlich for being my guest this week. I'm so excited to share this project with everyone, and I can't wait to show you what's coming next. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. See you next time.